The next three episodes of Ann Arbor Stories will be a little different. We're producing three podcasts for the AADL Summer Game that were created for younger audiences. Stories that have an all-ages appeal, rather than some of the PG-13 material I've come to know and love. Each podcast will have clues embedded in them that, when entered into the Summer Game site, will earn players points, badges, and the respect of their friends and family. Listen for special sound effects within each podcast that signal answers to each podcast's clues. You don't need to play the game in order to enjoy these episodes, but check out the AADL Summer Game at play.aadl.org if you're curious and want to learn more. Now, is everybody listening? Pencils ready? Let's begin. This is Ann Arbor Stories. I'm Rich Ray. This is the story of one of the most famous heists in Ann Arbor history. A cunning caper. A foul fleecing. A pilfering most putrid. Our story begins 18 years ago. Wait, that's not right. Our story actually begins... 50,000 years ago. Ann Arbor didn't exist. Pretty much nothing existed. If a meteor falls in what is now present-day Arizona 50,000 years ago, and only a woolly mammoth and a giant sloth are there to hear it, does it make a sound? The answer is probably. Probably a very loud sound. That's what happened. 50,000 years ago. Halfway across the continent, a giant meteor fell from space. Half of it burned up on the descent. The rest, about 300,000 tons, traveling 30,000 miles per hour, hit the Earth with the force of 500 atomic bombs. Most of the meteor vaporized on impact, creating a hole almost a mile wide and 50 stories deep. This giant crater was documented by European settlers in the 1800s, and by 1905, meteorite fragments from what would be called the Diablo Canyon Crater were being sold and shipped throughout the world. These weren't the first space rocks sold in the U.S., but the Diablo Canyon Crater and its meteorites were special. Some said the crater was cursed. Some said the meteorites were cursed. For some reason, people want cursed things from space. Nobody's sure when or how a meteorite from the Diablo Canyon Crater ended up at the University of Michigan Museum for Natural History. It had been there so long that no one remembered when it first arrived. It was just there. It probably arrived by truck in a big crate packed with straw. Someone had to get a crowbar to pry it open. Someone else decided to put it on the fourth floor, behind glass, suspended by a thick metal wire to make it easier to see. You can imagine the crowds that gathered those first few months to see the new exhibit, the cursed rock from space. The meteorite didn't really look like a meteorite. It wasn't round like an asteroid or a mini version of the moon. It was jagged, smaller than you'd expect, looked more like half a jawbone of a medium-sized rhino than a rock from outer space. This thing that had been at the museum as long as anyone could remember suddenly vanished one steamy night in August 1998. Campus authorities knew it was a heist. A meteorite doesn't just walk out of the fourth floor exhibit it's been living in for the last however many decades and stroll through campus. The wire securing the meteorite had been snipped, but there was no evidence of how the thieves pulled off the heist. No forced entry. No witnesses. No security tape, since the museum didn't have security cameras at the time. 
A Case with No Clues for Detective Kevin McNulty of the University of Michigan Department of Public Safety to Pursue. You don't put lost meteorite posters up around the neighborhood for your missing space rock. There's a thriving black market for meteorites and bits of space rocks. People will pay hundreds of dollars for small chunks of extraterrestrial ore. McNulty and an employee at the Natural History Museum did the next best thing to hanging posters on light poles. They put a missing meteorite post on the internet, which was still a pretty new thing at the time. And miraculously, they got a reply. A rock dealer in Cayuga, New York, had seen the missing meteorite. In fact, it was in his living room. He bought it just the other day from a man from Michigan. The rock dealer gave Detective McNulty the name, address, and phone number of the man who sold him the meteorite, and the detective drove to the address just outside Ann Arbor and knocked on the door. What are the odds that this would be the man? That the person who sold the stolen meteorite would be dumb enough to give their real name, address, and phone number? Stephen Collins answered the door. Stephen Collins wasn't very smart. Stephen Collins wasn't a good liar. He admitted to Detective McNulty that he sold the meteorite to the rock dealer in New York State. Sold it for $100, a prehistoric crab fossil, and a 250-pound slab of crystallized quartz. He denied stealing the meteorite from the museum, first telling a story about buying it from a man he met in prison, then changing his story, telling a tale about meeting a man in a bar who had similar interests in rocks and fossils, and how that man invited Collins out to his car, where he popped the trunk and showed him a meteorite he just happened to have. No one but Collins really knew the truth. If he did steal the meteorite, he was a much better thief than seller of stolen goods. Collins was charged with transporting and selling stolen goods across state lines and sentenced to jail time. Collins was never charged with stealing the actual meteorite. Police had no proof, and Collins wouldn't admit to the heist. He kept mentioning that man in the bar. Detective McNulty took the cash, the prehistoric crab fossil, and the 250-pound rock Collins received from the stolen booty and drove seven hours to Cayuga, New York to recover the meteorite. He spent the night in Cayuga, maybe watching bad TV, maybe eating okay room service, then drove back to Ann Arbor with the precious rock from space. It didn't go on display right away, but the meteorite did go back in that case, a new metal wire holding it up and making it easier to see. The meteorite that everyone took for granted had a whole new generation of fans. How the meteorite was stolen from the museum is still a mystery. Who did it? How? We'll never know. But sometimes the best mysteries don't have a neat and tidy ending. Sometimes the best mysteries are still looking for an ending. Sometimes the best mysteries just need to be mysteries. Sometimes the best mysteries just need to get to the credits. Sometimes the best mysteries... Ann Arbor Stories is presented by Rumble Pack Media in partnership with the Ann Arbor District Library. This episode was written and read by me, Rich Reddy, with recording and sound production by Brian Peters. Thanks as always to the Ann Arbor District Library and, in particular, Debbie Gallagher of the Archive staff for helping research this story. Don't forget to check out the AADL Summer Game at play.aadl.org and keep an ear out for our next two Summer Game-themed podcasts released every other Thursday. Please follow us on Twitter at Ann Arbor Stories or drop us a line at annarborstories at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you thought of this, 
or any of the episodes. Thanks again for listening and happy gaming.